Welcome to Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, and thank you for joining us as we share the good news of Christ's love. We share a rich tradition as a diverse and welcoming congregation. We strive to meet people where they are and join them on their faith journey as we carry out our mission to love God, love neighbor, and change the world. Heights United Methodist Church. My name is Jay Clark. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're so delighted that you're a part of our service this morning. Uh, those of you here in the sanctuary and those that are streaming online and watching on television, we're especially grateful that Troop 12, Pac-12, uh, part of our church ministries, and it is Scouting Sunday. You'll hear a little bit more about that during uh, the service, but we're grateful for your presence this morning as well. Uh, let us, I'll get to some announcements later, but let us go and focus our, our hearts and our minds on the worship of God this morning together in this faith community.
join me responsively in our call to worship. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall worship before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Let us worship God. receive our joys and concerns of this past week. We pray for all experiencing grief and loss this day, and our Christian sympathy is extended to Sheila Butler and family in the death of her husband, Robert Parker, to Jim Mace and family in the death of his nephew, Matthew House, and to the family and friends of Paula Woozy in her recent death. We pray for all who are ill or recently hospitalized, including 
Rick Blank Jr., Amy Boyce, Gloria Cleveland, Carol Kaur, Thurman Couch, Gwen Eford, Seal Faulkner, Sandy Hayton, Sharon Holmes, Bill Huey, Verna Jackson, Linda Jones, Ife Probin, and Sid Wood. And we rejoice in the birth of Graham Wiley McGowan, child of Sidney and Joel McGowan, and grandchild of Susan and Dr. Bob McGowan. And we rejoice in the birth of Evergreen Marie Crebo, daughter of Morena and Nate Crebo, and granddaughter of Laura and Dr. Dave Wessinger. Our congratulations to Mary Carol Majors and Adam Jackson Angel in their recent marriage, and we continue to pray for the people of Ukraine. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. God of all creation, as we give you glory and praise today, we're thankful for the beauty of springtime. We also give thanks for your extraordinary love demonstrated to us through the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus. Overcome any of our doubts and fears, increase our love for you, and grant us the blessing you promised to those who believe in the risen Christ without visible or tangible proof of his victory over death. Encourage us to share this good news among our friends, neighbors, and strangers, and continue to grant us Easter faith. Hear our prayers for scouting ministries as they develop good citizens and character among young boys and girls. Strengthen them to be signs of your grace in a weary world as they go forth prepared to serve others. Hear our prayers for individuals, families, and communities affected by gun violence and mass shootings and grant us peace. We pray your blessings upon those recovering from COVID-19 and for the doctors, nurses, and caregivers who have never stopped caring. Bless and inspire troubled minds, anxious hearts, and all who are ill. Keep us strong in the faith so that our confidence in your care will never waver. We have this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
be seated. In this time of worship, we recognize as we sing our songs, as we pray our prayers, as we receive the word of God, that God does amazing things to change our hearts and minds and lives in Christ Jesus. And we as a congregation, as a family of faith, want you to be a part of that with us. And so if you are worshiping with us, if you are a guest um, and this is your time to worship with us, we would love to connect with you to better welcome you into this family of faith. And you can let us know that you're here by scanning the QR code on the back of your bulletin or going to phumc.com connect. We would also love to welcome you. One of the ushers has a gift for you if you are a first-time guest. And so visit an usher and we'll give you that gift. We are so thankful that we have guests worshiping with us each and every week. And we're so glad that you are here. We know that God does indeed change hearts and minds and lives through the ministries of Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. And one of those ministries that we are looking forward to is Walking the Mourner's Path. It is an in-person grief group um, that will begin this summer and that we are accepting registration for now. It is a, an important thing to be able to grieve with one another and to process through difficult times together as a family of faith to begin to heal together in the love of Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful that that is one way that we can transform lives as the body of Christ is through that walking the mourner's path. That and so many of our ministries are important and they are all made possible because you give, because of the financial gifts of this congregation, lives are able to be transformed. And so in this time of offering, we invite those of you in person to place gifts in the offering plates or to follow instructions for electronic giving on the back of your bulletin. And those worshiping with us online can also find ways to give on the screens. And now as the ushers come forward, and we receive our offering, let us turn to God in prayer. Loving God, receive our gifts today, that they may be means of transforming hearts, community, and our world. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
us join together in our affirmation of faith. I believe in the beauty of spring that is known in windy skies, blossoming fruit trees, waving jungles, and sweet-smelling grass. I believe in the warmth of friendship that is communicated in gentle eyes, a loving smile, a fond touch of the hand, and an arm laid on the shoulder. I believe in the power of Christ, whose presence is felt in every season of the year, but especially now, when life wells up everywhere and folks feel a quickening in their souls because it is spring and summer is on the way. I believe Christ is somehow responsible for both spring and friendship, and that the excitement I feel today is related to the fact that he was dead, but is alive forevermore, not only in our memories, but in the truest kind of actuality. I worship him by coming here and say, Alleluia, Christ is alive and in this very place. remain standing to hear God's holy word coming to us today from the fifth chapter of Acts. Hear these words. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him in his own right, at his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We were witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Before you're seated, please turn and greet those around you. As you're being seated, just a few announcements before we get to the main part of the message. Today is Scouting Ministry Sunday, and we're grateful for the presence of many of our scouts uh, from our troop and our pack. And we want to say thank you to Barry Bray, who has served as Scoutmaster for many years. And we want to welcome Scott Sayovitz as Scoutmaster to Troop 12. Scott says that they look forward to Scout Sunday every year to recognize the honor and partnership that they've had for so many years with Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. Scott wanted me to convey this message to the congregation. Some may not know that Troop 12 began operation in the 1930s. And in this very neighborhood, and it takes great pride 
in the valuable life lessons that we teach our young people. Not only the fun stuff like camping, scuba diving, horseback riding and trap shooting, but vital life skills such as CPR, emergency preparedness, and wilderness survival. Cleanliness, reverence, and a helpful attitude are the very words that we live by. We've hosted hundreds of, hundreds of scouts over the years, teaching those lessons, and even through the, though these last two years have been tough on everyone, our scouts have proven to be resilient and creative in getting their goals accomplished. Despite the pandemic, we've been blessed with awarding 10 Eagle Scout badges. They've utilized virtual meetings and outdoor spaces and let nothing hold them back. I always say you can't predict the wind, you, but you can adjust your sails. Scott t continues, I couldn't be more proud of each of them, but I am also equally proud of the relationship we built with Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. I look forward to many more years of service to you as an additional ministry to our young people. With that, I will pledge to you our scout oath. On our honor, we will do our best to do our duty to God and our country, to obey the scout law, to help other people at all times, to keep ourselves physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. Thank you once again, and may God bless you all. And thank you all for being here this morning. And I know you'll want to support our scouting ministry by going to their fundraiser and uh, taking some food home with you after the service is over. You'll be able to find a table out here in the, uh, in the gathering hall. A couple of more announcements. Don't forget about our midweek meditation uh, coming up this Wednesday in the chapel at 12.05 on Wednesday. And also our Wednesday evening studies. Also, together with Second Baptist Church, we're still helping a family from Afghanistan. If you're interested in helping physically or financially, please give me a call personally this week and I'll uh, put you through to the right people. Or if you're just interested in giving financially, which is very helpful, you can go to phumc.com slash giving online and you'll select the refugee settlement. Lastly, on behalf of Dr. Robbins, I want to thank you for your generosity. As of last week, Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church is completely debt-free. Thank you so much for all of you who made this happen. Members, guests, plus those who are online and watching on television at home uh, in our streaming services. We are so very, very grateful. Thank you. Now... Here we are, the week after Easter. And I'm not sure if Easter seems like it was yesterday or a long, long time ago. Last week, however, many of us were sitting here in this sanctuary, giving glory to God that the tomb was empty and that Jesus was alive. And because of that, it was a promise from God that death will not have the last word. Now what? When we say Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed. Very good. You're not asleep yet. But Acts provides us with a great opportunity to reflect with Luke on the present and living power of the resurrected Christ for new life in community. As many of you know, the 
books of Luke and Acts serve as a part one and part two written by the same author. Luke tells us the story of Jesus. Acts tells us about the birth of the church beginning with Pentecost. But here we are, the Sunday after Easter, and we find ourselves in chapter 5 of Acts. And there's a lot of stuff going on in chapter 5 before and after our scripture lesson. Chapter 5 begins with the story of the death of Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, in a lesson on giving that is rarely preached. You'll have to read it. Then the apostles performed signs and wonders, and more and more men and women believed in who Jesus the Christ is. Also, many were healed in the name of Jesus. And as this momentum is growing, the Sadducees and their leadership began to get a little jealous of the disciples and their newfound fame. They arrested the apostles and put them in jail. However, an angel released them and told them to go back to the temple and teach the people. And so they did. Moving on, the high priest and associates arrived to an empty jail cell and found out that the disciples were at the temple teaching. So they went to the temple. They arrested the disciples again and using no force because they were afraid of the backlash of the followers. And that gets us to the verses where we are this morning. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We were witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, then the scripture lesson moves on. Not our lesson for this morning, but we have to know the context. When they heard this, they were furious and they wanted to put the disciples to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all people, stood up to the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for just a little while. And then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thaddeus appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied around him. He was killed, and all his followers dispersed. And then it all came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in this present case, I advise you to leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of, is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, 
You will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged and then uh, ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, Scripture says, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus, the Messiah. So that's the context of chapter 5. As I said, there's a lot going on around our selected verses today. The apostles were doing what they felt they were called to do. The apostles were doing what they felt that they were called to do, commissioned to do. But in doing so, they were drawing public attention. And it probably didn't help anything that they were teaching about a Jewish man who was hung to death and executed on a Roman cross. From a Roman perspective, Caesar was the sole savior of the world and healer. The authorities who were deeply invested in depicting the emperor as only the savior saw Peter's words as a challenge to this fact for them and a mockery of royal titles. Jesus, from their perspective, was an imposter. An imposter who should not be associated with titles that the emperor also has rightfully earned. These followers of Jesus had already been arrested back in chapter 4 for teaching in the temple about Jesus and his resurrection. The leaders had already heard Peter and John speaking for all the disciples that they could not stop speaking about these things. Not surprisingly, the disciples continued to preach and teach in the temple. And not surprisingly, the high priest had them arrested again. An angel, you'll remember, released them from the cell, sent them back to the temple once again to preach in Jesus' name. And one more time in, in Acts chapter 5, they have the disciples arrested and brought before the ruling council. So I guess you could say that for the disciples and for the Sanhedrin, it was like some kind of first century Groundhog Day. Here are a few takeaways from our passages this morning. The name game. No, I'm not talking about J.J. Bobay Banana Fana Fofay. And if you don't know the name game, you can Google it and, and, and play it yourself. But for those of you that do know what I'm talking about, um, the, the name game, Jesus. The high priest will not even say the name of Jesus. And I found that really a bit striking. Did he not say the name of Jesus because he did not want to give the name of Jesus credence? Or did he not say the name of Jesus knowing the power it invoked? Number two, we must obey God rather than human authority. Now, this has been used and abused over the years for everything from peaceful protests to revolts. In all forms of social and civil disobedience in between. But I also think about how the Sanhedrin must feel like they have zero power right now. 
They can't imprison the disciples. They can't keep them from teaching and preaching. And like Jesus, they charge the disciples with a false crime that they're determined to put Jesus' blood on them. The apostles do not use the resurrection and the gospel as an opportunity for vengeance and violence, but rather for healing and for good news. Now, Peter rejects their power and authority and tells them that we must obey God rather than any human authority, reminding the religious authorities that they also should be following God, not themselves. Theological evidence for religious civil disobedience from Martin Luther King's speeches to Martin Luther's Here I Stand to Bonhoeffer, uh, his plot against Hitler. Sometimes we can only see slivers of that in today's world. But it is something to reflect on. The third thing, Peter telling them that they killed Jesus. Now, I think this is a piece that we need to spend a little more time with. Of course, Peter is engaging in a bit of what one author called historical revisionism. No Jew had the authority to crucify anyone. Only Israel's Roman occupiers had the authority and power to hang anyone on a tree it's the Roman governor Pilate who authorizes his soldiers to first torture and then put Jesus to death. He gives the religious leaders the power to convince him that, that, to have Jesus crucified. Since we sometimes practice historical revisionism ourselves, we may think that Peter is playing fast and loose with the historical facts and that that's not really a big deal, but it is a big deal, it's a huge deal. Christians have used Peter's words and accusations to justify all sorts of unjustifiable behaviors and attitudes, including the Holocaust. Some have held an entire group of people responsible for the jealous actions of a few religious leaders. I certainly wouldn't want the world to hold some of us accountable for what a small group of people do as Christians. With one breath, Peter emphasizes to perhaps some of the same leaders God's gift of life and God's gift of forgiveness. Peter offers those who share in Jesus' crucifixion forgiveness for that role. The fourth thing we have Peter's confession that starts out, the God of our ancestors. So Peter links this miraculous God with the God that the Sanhedrin also worshiped. They link themselves with their captors as worshiping the same God, the God of our fathers, raised Jesus from the dead. From the beginning, a real resurrection has been at the very heart of the gospel. And God did it. Your God, my God, our God, the God of our fathers, Yahweh. God raised Jesus. That matters more than anything. Because as Paul famously said in 1 Corinthians, if he didn't rise, then none of the rest is true. 
and we are still in our sins and we are misrepresenting God himself. The other thing Peter says is about repentance for Israel. Peter either believes this good news is still only for the Jews or maybe he just knew his audience really well. Peter also emphasizes the forgiveness of sins. There's no condemnation here, only an invitation. And lastly, Peter goes on to, we are witnesses and so is the Holy Spirit. We have seen and cannot be silent. Oh, they still want to kill Peter, but they don't. However, in the next chapter, they arrest and then stone Stephen. Twice the apostles preached in the temple. Twice they were arrested. Once they were flogged. And yet Acts 5 concludes with the apostles rejoicing for their sufferings and preaching in the temple every single day. Too often discouragement can creep in. And we, we cease to proclaim who Jesus is in our lives. There, there's a great witness that comes from those who keep at it. I hope that this week, as we move into the second week after Easter, we can continue to pick up the apostles' torch and carry it forward. Remember, Jesus appears in unexpected ways. Rules we thought were hard and fast no longer apply. That's why the lectionary asks that we listen to the acts of the apostles during these weeks after Easter. The book of Acts puts us in an Easter state of mind and it reminds us of what becomes possible in a post-Easter world. Last week, Dr. Robbins closed with the first verse of He Lives. It was one of the most popular of 20th century songs, not just for Easter, but in lots of houses of worship. It was written by Alfred Ackley in 1933. While in California working with a revival service, Ackley began to visit with a Jewish man who attended some of the revival meetings he was working on. And this young student kept saying, why would I worship a dead Jew? Why should I do that? And it bothered Ackley because he really didn't have an answer. And it stayed on his mind. And then when he got up to, to finish preparing for his Easter sermon on that Sunday morning, he was amazed to hear another radio preacher, a uh, famous preacher in New York, say, Good morning, everyone. This is on the radio. It's Easter. You know, folks, it really doesn't make a difference to me if Christ be risen or not. As far as I'm concerned, his body could be dust in some Palestinian tomb. The main thing is, his truth goes marching on. Well, angry, Reverend Ackley unplugged the radio and threw it across the room and smashed it against the wall, yelling, it's a lie. He couldn't get these two instances out of his mind. And during the Easter service that morning, Ackley preached with strength and urgency about Christ's resurrection and its reality in his life. But later that night, he continued to think about his Jewish friend and the words he had heard in that sermon on the radio that morning. 
His wife told him it was time to do what he does best, and that was to write a song about it, and he would feel better. So in his study, Ackley reread the resurrection account from Mark's gospel in the Bible, and these words began to pour out of him. And since Dr. Robbins did the first verse last week, I'll do the last verse this week. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift, lift up your voice and sing eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He still lives. He still lives. We are all part of a bigger story with a thread that goes from the beginning of time right through our time today and will continue on. We're so grateful to be part of this story. Each Sunday, we're going to hear from someone in our own congregation part of their story, part of that thread. This morning, we're going to hear from Garth Martin. Well, faith is a fundamental element in my religious life. I go back to the uh, biblical uh, definition, which I believe is in Hebrews, where it says, Faith is the assurance of hope, things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. And I think in uh, the book of James, it says that faith without works is dead. So I try to incorporate some work along the way in my faith journey. I guess I just grew up with it uh, from my early days in Sunday school when I actually studied in the catechism. As I grew older, uh, Faith became an integral precept in my life. Well, faith is a wonderful resource for me. Uh, when my wife died recently, faith gave me comfort and assurance that she had entered into eternal life and was living with Jesus and God. Without faith, the everyday difficulties that we all encounter would simply overwhelm us. Well, faith gives me a pattern to follow in my daily life by helping me follow the teachings of Jesus and maybe helping somebody else in some way. Faith helps me realize that each day will be okay if I follow in the footsteps of Jesus. I guess I follow the uh, philosophy of our basketball coach, Eric Musselman, who says, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And faith helps me do that because without faith, uh, life would be very difficult and, and a real drudgery. But faith is a basic source of a peaceful, godly life. Thank you, Garth, for sharing that powerful witness with us. 
Uh, at the end of every service of worship, we uh, extend an invitation to those not only watching on TV or streaming our services online. You can call the office anytime this week and talk to any of the pastors and we'll be glad to uh, talk you through that process. But for those of you gathered here, there's a, a card in the back of your pew. Uh, if you're interested in being part of this uh, place of faith, this house of worship, this community, then we invite you to fill out that card and come forward as the pastors will be standing at the bottom of the steps as we sing our closing song, Christ is Alive, number 318. Easter people that we are called to be. And we just say to you, have a great week. Walk with Jesus and to tell someone about Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church.
thank you again for worshiping with us today at Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. We invite you to visit our website to let us know you were a part of our viewing community today or to learn more about how you can get involved in our ongoing mission to love God, love neighbor, and change the world.